don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. FarmSafe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to FarmSafe811.org. Now live at 6 o'clock, KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quackmack. I like talking talking sports. Quackmack! What? Quackmack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. Wednesday, January 24, 2024. Oh, what a what a fun number there uh, for today's date. Uh, welcome in, everyone, to the KWVA studio for today's edition on Quack Smack. Here on 88.1, Saul Galvan alongside Ty Gross and Ben Schoenfield. Boys, it it feels like we see each other too much in the studio. I know, Ben, we're on for Friday Night Spotlight usually. And, and Ty, you, you've been a recent uh, a newcomer, but a pretty consistent one. You've been, I think, in the last two Friday Night Spotlights? Uh, no, I did my first Friday Night Spotlight last Friday, but I'm doing another one next week. And you I'm killed it, by the way. You had a lot of good takes from that one. Yes, I mean, I was, I was only here for an hour, but you had a lot of good takes. Ben, you, you're just... I feel like you live here. Like, I, I really do. Like, I, I see you every time we're in the studio. And <laughs> I don't know if you have, like, a secret back room, like, in our, in our office space that you have just, have like, a bed that you pull out. You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> but I've done 66 Friday Night Spotlights. Are you still keeping track? Yeah. See, I started, I never did that last year because I didn't really do as many Quack Smacks as, like, you guys did. But this year I've started to track my numbers and I'm already like at five or six, including Friday Night Spotlights. So, yeah, I, like, this is not including other Quack Smacks. This is just Friday Night Spotlights. And what, like, you probably be at least what two hundred, maybe? I'll be at a hundred. Like, I'll be. At, I'm probably at about a hundred total Quack Smacks, maybe a little bit more than that. I don't know what the record is, but you're coming back for another year too. So that yeah, number is definitely going to skyrocket. Have four and a half more terms. I've already have the record for Friday Night Spotlights. Yeah, no one's breaking that record. No offense. <laughs> I'll have <laughs> you, triple digits. You are the only time. one who's ever going to break that record. I can promise you that. Uh, maybe a fifth year? Try to increase nah. your number? No? I'll so, return just as a guest, but... Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe I'll be the one to break your record. <laughs> uh, probably not, though. Uh, anyways, for today's uh, Duck Fun Fact Trivia of the Day, you guys know I started doing this uh, since I took over the Wednesday show. Uh, focusing on Oregon men's basketball since they have a big weekend coming up. But I want to ask you guys, uh, Ben, you might know this one because you've been here for quite a while. Ty, I'm not sure if you know this one. What is the Oregon men's basketball longest home win streak and two-parter? When did it end? Hmm. Ben, I feel like you might know this one because I think it happened when you were. So it was my freshman year? I think so. Because you were before COVID, right? No. You weren't before COVID? I got here 2021. Really? Yeah. I'm only a junior. I know you're a junior, but still, I, I figured you were. Oh, actually, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm so thrown <laughs> off with these numbers, but I just like if because I came a year after the COVID year. I'm a sophomore, or it feels like I came a year after the COVID you year. You came two years after. Two years, I guess, but I, I don't know. I, I just can't keep track of it. I keep forgetting we're in 2024, too. Like, yeah, th- it doesn't feel that long. That's ago. the strange part. Uh, any guesses, though? What? Uh, I got mine. I'll go with 32. 
32. That's two and a half seasons? Yes. Yeah, this, so that's the thing. The, not even just in the season. Like, the overall, yeah. like, yeah. I was going to go, like, 25. Meet in the middle. Well, around in the middle. 28 games. Through I'm the closer. Cor- no, closer. no. Am I? He said 25, right? Yeah, I'm uh, yeah. three off. What'd you say? 30. 32. 32, yeah. Ben's closer. Uh, yeah, but 28 games throughout the course of two seasons. Didn't happen too long ago, too. 2019 uh, is when it ended? They went 17-0 during the 2019-2020 season and 11 <laughs> in the row at home during the 2020-2021 season before uh, losing to Oregon State at home that year. They still went 11-2 at home that year, so still another good season. Uh, Peyton Glory Richard, days. Chris Duarte were the key stars, so that's... They had uh, Figueroa, too. Figueroa right? as well, yeah. He, he was big in that lineup. Uh, and Folly Dante. He's only a freshman. How crazy is that? Will Richardson was there. Man, Will Richardson. What what a player. You know, the, the many Oregon fans sigh now every time they hear the name. Uh, but, yeah, that was a pretty good team. And, you know, possibly might have another opportunity to do it again. Big weekend ahead for men's basketball. They're 9-0 at home this season. And some heavyweight matchups this weekend in Eugene's. These Sun Devils and the number 11th ranked Wildcats Rolling into town, Arizona State on Thursday, Arizona on Saturday afternoon. Top teams in the conference currently, number one, Arizona. Number two is Oregon currently in the standings, and number three, Arizona State right behind them. Uh, First time the Ducks are going to play the Arizona schools this year. They look to continue their home winning streak and keep themselves atop of the Pac-12. I just listed a bunch of other reasons, but for you guys, how big is this weekend for this team? Uh, I think it's going to set the tone for the rest of the season, honestly. I think that unquestionably Arizona is – the greatest foe that Oregon has faced up to this point, and probably will be the greatest foe that they'll face. In um, terms of basketball, yeah. In yeah. terms of in <laughs> terms of men's basketball, and I think that coming out of this weekend with a win is going to set the tone for the rest of the season, and that's what propels you into March and potentially even further. Ben, yeah, I definitely agree. They kind of have to win this game against the Sun Devils to give themselves any shot at beating the Wildcats I just think the momentum needs to get back on the right track after going 0-2 last weekend they can't go 0-3 into the game against the only ranked men's basketball Pac-12 team so this is definitely going to be the biggest game of the season so far their only other ranked opponent was Alabama back in uh, November actually so it's been almost it'll be over two months before playing another ranked opponent and then they have they'll start playing another round of teams that they've already played. So it's just definitely the most important game of the season so far. Then they go down to Los Angeles and come back for the Washington schools and don't play them again until the beginning of uh, March and then play the other two teams that they lost to so far in conference play at the end of the season. So this weekend is definitely going to be the most important weekend of the season so far yeah you're right I mean the Ducks they've only played against one other ranked opponent this season and like you said it was against Alabama they didn't have much success uh that was at the Emerald Coast Classic first couple weeks of the season and uh they didn't lose by that much they only lost by eight it wasn't too bad of a game they still put up 91 points so it was a good shooting affair uh but yeah this is going to be a real test Dana Allman obviously after this weekend it was not very pleased uh they went 0-2 against the Mountain Schools they lost uh 70-86 against Colorado and a close 77 to 80 against Utah. Then Allman, pretty much all in his press conference yesterday, he said we got a guard. It's as simple as that. Ducks are 1-5 in games where they give up 80 points, and that's the stat that Dana Allman just kept preaching uh, throughout practice and throughout his his um, his media outlet. 
You stress nothing but defense and practice. That's pretty much all they've been doing this whole entire week. And he knows the stake of this weekend and how good these teams are. Uh, Ty, you pretty much just took the words out of my mouth. But, yeah, I think this weekend is going to set the tone for how the rest of the season goes. Uh, they lost two games that they probably should have won and, you know, they were previously playing. But it's definitely not time to panic yet. And this can put them back on the right track. We knew that there was going to be, uh, you know, adjustments with made with Dante coming back. And it showed this past weekend. Dante started to get a few more minutes. And, you know, he played some really good defense. But they're still trying to work him back in the lineup. Winning these next two games, however, can build so much confidence in this team, especially knowing that their next two weeks of games are against opponents that they already beat and they know that they can win. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. This is definitely going to be a big weekend just because uh, you're starting to reach the second half of conference play, and this team has so much potential. We've seen it in the first you know, three weeks of conference play, how well they've been doing, and now these next two games are probably going to be the biggest of the season so far. Yeah, I think um, for Arizona State, it's going to be a lot of like what Dana was saying. It's going to come down to defense because Arizona State might be the best defensive team that Oregon has played up to this point. Like looking at Kempom ratings, their top 40 in defense is a really good team, especially on the perimeter. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Oregon's guards get tested because we haven't really seen them get tested yet. Every time Oregon has lost big, it's been because the front court has been just hit really, really bad at the boards. So I'm actually really interested to see how Kusnard, Rigsby, Bartholomew, uh, Quendo do in this matchup because I, I want to see the Oregon guards get tested. I want to see them go through adversity because I think that adversity builds a better team. Yeah, I agree. I think, like, you talk about all the guards, and they haven't really been tested at that point, especially, you know, guys like Shelstead and Rigsby, who have really taken off this season. They've been key players uh, for this team, and, yeah, I mean, you know, they haven't been tested too much this year. They've been kind of bailed out at, at some points when these close conference games, but this weekend, you know, there's a good chance they're not going to get bailed out. Dante's not fully healthy. Biddle, even if he makes an appearance, he's not going to be fully healthy. And so Oregon might not win the, the, the rebounding battle. So that means the guards, they're going to have to show up. Ben? Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see if uh, Shellstag can shine in the bright moments. I know he's just a freshman, but I've seen it. He just has this look in his eye that he know he's he knows he's good, but he's not too cocky about it. And I think – He's definitely, if he stays with Oregon, he's definitely the future of the team. Uh, but I'm excited to see what uh, Dante can do now that he's getting back in the flow of things. And he had 23-10 and 10 against Utah. He was probably the bright spot of the team. Uh, and maybe to get Biddle back, I hope that they can use Biddle but not go back to the old way of playing. Just kind of use him as an extra piece, not a, as a main piece to get him back in the rotation. Yeah, you talk about Biddle, and Dana Allman said it in his press conference yesterday. He said that he can make an appearance. Biddle's been getting healthier. He's been getting a lot stronger, and, and Duck fans, they could see him again this weekend, uh, possibly against Arizona State, if not against Arizona. Uh, you know, to my next point, where does Biddle fit in this lineup? Because And it, it almost feels weird asking that question because Biddle was such a big part of this team before he got injured. But now that we've seen this kind of, you know, guys that are coming off the bench that are getting really good minutes, you almost question where he can fit in all this because, you know, you don't want him to sit on the bench, obviously. He's still good to sit on the bench. But if guys are, you know, like Diawara, if they are getting good minutes and if they are, like, helping this team win, wh where can he fit in at this point? Uh, 
I feel like it's really just going to depend on matchup. Like, I feel like Arizona State's a really good opportunity for Dana to just put Biddle in, maybe just goes empty in the box score, but just getting him the minutes and the conditioning back. But then you look at Arizona, I, I think Biddle is crucial to Oregon's chances of winning that game. I think that if Nate Biddle gets quality minutes and plays at a quality level, even if he's at like 75, 80% level of, you know, readiness, that's huge for Oregon's chances because they need the size because Arizona out-rebounds essentially every single team that they play. And Arizona is not an efficiency, an efficiency team. They're a volume team. If you can just match the battle of the boards and just getting the rebounds and especially the offensive rebounds, Oregon's chances go up astronomically in winning this game. I definitely think that Biddle could fill in like a Kwame Evans role, like have them kind of just go back and forth and give Kwame Evans a little bit of a break. Uh, he only didn't start his second game of the season against Utah, uh, which makes uh, Jermaine Cuisinart the only person on this team to start all 18 games, which is another reason that I think is going to be difficult for this Oregon team just because they've been dealing with so many injuries with all three freshmen not playing and or two of the three freshmen not playing until about halfway through the season so far and then both of their main bigs getting hurt whereas both the other teams four at least four out of their five starters have played all uh all of the games so far or actually yeah two out of the five starters for uh Arizona State but two of them only didn't play in one game and then all five Arizona starters have played started all 18 games so I think just getting everybody back in the flow and getting Biddle to play in kind of the Kwame Evans, you don't have to be super offensive, but when you want to, you can be type of role. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point to make that, uh, you know, Arizona, they haven't dealt with the injury bug that, that Oregon has, really. they they're Most of their starters, they've they've had five guys that have been able to start all 18 games this year, and that's kind of unheard in, in uh, college basketball. You know, we hear so many times now of guys getting hurt, being out for a couple of weeks. It doesn't really affect the team that much. It hasn't really affected Arizona to this point, but all their guys have been healthy, and it's really been a factor of their success. But like we keep saying, with this Oregon team, it's really amazing to see where they are at this stage in the season, even though they were th without their star two players. No one knew that Jackson Shellstad was going to be the guy that he was going to do. Nobody knew that Brennan Rigsby was going to step up, even though he had a good uh, second half of the season last year. There are guys that have just been stepping up and being able to win these games. Obviously not this last um this last weekend, it was a bit of adjustment. But if you can count on the guys that have won games so far, I think that's really what's going to lead to success. Now, as far as Biddle goes, I want to see him as a rotational player between him and Dante. You still get Diawara and Kwame in a good amount since they've been playing well, especially because Biddle and Dante, they're not going to be at 100% right away. Instead of putting them both on the floor, which is what Oregon used to do, it used to be Dante and Biddle out there. Dante would be in the center or Biddle would be in the center, and then the other one would be in the forward position, uh, and they would get a lot of minutes. Like Dana Allman would have them out there for, I don't even know, like at least like 25, maybe 30 minutes. Like they, he, they would not take him out of the game for a good chunk of it. But really right now, with what's working with the team, if Shellstad can play, I don't see why you need to force Biddle into the lineup and make him play so many minutes. I mean, obviously against Arizona, it would be ideal because you want to win the rebound battle. But you knowing that they're not healthy enough, you probably can get away with only having them one in the game. 
and just keep subbing them in and out. You know, five minutes Dante, five minutes Biddle, it's going to work out. And if Diawar and Kwame can pl keep playing the way that they've been playing these past couple weeks, I think that, you know, that is ultimately a recipe for what, you know, the Ducks can be Arizona. Yeah, I think that, like, building off of what you said, I would actually really like to see Biddle and Dante just rotate in and out because I think that people gloss over how many games are won off of the bench. And I think that that's one of Oregon's greatest strengths is that once everyone is healthy, this is a very talented bench that can score at will. The problem is they can't defend at will. But if you can have Biddle coming off of the bench and being that rim protector that is the backup to Dante, that's a huge piece of leverage that you can use when you put on bench minutes that ultimately can win Oregon games. And I think that's how he should be used going on the rest of the year. I definitely agree that he should be used in the 4-5 slash role. As, as I said earlier, Kwame Evans was. He was in the 5 for most of the season, but being in the 4-5 slash now that Dante's been back, I think that would be the perfect role for Biddle, but you can also swap him and make him the five if Dante needs a break, as Ty was saying before. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice that, you know, these guys are so flexible. You know, you can stick Biddle at the forward position. He's going to play that really well if you need to stick Dante there as well. But they both have the height where they can also be the center. And, you know, this is, uh, the nice thing for Daniel Allman is there's a lot of options, but that's also the problem because there's too many options to the point where he needs to figure out what's going to work, and he needs to figure it out quick. Like, Arizona State – you can play around with the lineup a little bit. You can do some things. But against Arizona, you got to stick with what's working. Like, if, if Dana Altman, if not, something's not working in the first five minutes, Altman needs to make the adjustment. That's going to be the key against Arizona is making adjustments on the fly. If something's not working, if Arizona is on a, on a scoring streak, Dana Altman needs to, to look at the playbook. He needs to look at his lineup and say what is going to work or what has worked in the past. Um, and I, I really think that's going to be the ultimate key to beating Arizona on Saturday. You know, is Arizona still the toughest opponent for the Ducks this season? I mean, obviously, they are one of the only ranked teams that uh, Oregon is going to play against. And obviously, they've had some tough games so far. They had tough games against USC, against UCLA, which everyone thought UCLA was going to be a top opponent this year. They've really kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh, Washington State, Washington was a, it was a tough game. But is, you know, is Arizona, looking at the schedule ahead, still the toughest game? that Oregon is going to play this year? Uh, I think for now you have to say yes, just because this is a top 10 team in the nation. They're probably going to be top 10 in national title odds. Um, and it's a team that any given night could beat anyone else by a lot of points too. Now the downside with Arizona is that they're incredibly volatile. They have had games where they implode to teams like Stanford, who they should not be losing to Stanford. But I think right now, Arizona is the top dog in the Pac-12 and one of the top dogs in all of college basketball. What I will say is I think that if you look all the way at the end of the schedule, when we play Arizona, Colorado, Utah again, that's going to be a really, really just deadly trio back to back to back because I think Colorado and Utah are two teams that maybe night maybe might not be as good as Arizona on paper but specifically against Oregon they're a matchup nightmare so I think that still be wary of Colorado and Utah but right now Arizona's the mountaintop to climb and I think that if Oregon beats Arizona there's a new king of the hill I definitely agree uh as I stated earlier Alabama was the only other ranked team that they've played so far and they're no longer ranked uh Arizona was up at number one earlier in the season after beating Duke and they've I think played 
a lot of top five teams so far, or top 25 teams, sorry, Florida, Florida Atlantic, Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Duke all were top 25, and they went 4-1 and one in those games. So I think Arizona is and will be the toughest opponent, and I agree with Ty in that those last three games are going to be the toughest stretch of the season, but I think it will get them ready for the Pac-12 tournament uh, given the fact of just the amount of pressure those three games will have will get them prepared for postseason play. Yeah, and I mean, you, you mentioned you know the, the games that Arizona has lost. You lost against Stanford, uh, against Washington State, which Oregon beat earlier this season, against Purdue, which we know Purdue is one of the top teams in the country. Same thing with Florida Atlantic. But on an average night, Arizona is without a doubt a top team in the nation. And I think to your point, what you were saying that just as general as an opponent, they're a tough team. For Oregon, though, I think that this is a team that Oregon can match up really well. Even though it's going to be their toughest opponent, I think it's also the team that they match uh, up well best. You know, obviously, Arizona, they drop in the polls. It, they're not only Arizona, you know, is a good team, but also because, you know, Oregon beat them last season in UG. And I think that's going to contribute to kind of the fire that Arizona is going to come into with. Uh, like we said, they lost to Washington State, Stanford, and Florida Atlantic. Those are all games that they believe that they probably should have won, and that would have like helped them get up into the top four in the polls. The key to the game is just going to be defense. Arizona, they've been averaging 89 points a game currently and allowing their opponents to score just 71. They're out-rebounding their teams 44-31. to 31. They're shooting just under 37% for three-point range. This team is so much more than Kayla Love, and we know that Kayla Love is gets you know all the fame, the the stardom on this team. But there are just so many other guys that contribute to this. We know Omar Balo, the Gonzaga transfer, he's averaging around ten rebounds a game. He's really good down low, and someone that Dante and Biddle are gonna have to really keep an eye on. Right now, they have five stars that are averaging over ten points. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's like it's it's hard to do that, especially with a team like Oregon who has been struggling defending. When you look at that stat as an Oregon fan, you're like, wow, they have five guys, and over five that, healthy guys, too. They, that's, yeah. It's all their guys it's in the It's all starting. 18 games that they've played. Exactly. Like, Oregon technically has five players that average double digits, but three of them have, have been played a maximum starters. of five. Exactly. No, three of them, only two of them were full-time starters. The other three were Jesse Zarzuela, Nate Biddle, and Infali Dante, which, which isn't a large – like sample size, and not only that, yeah, like you said, sample size. Biddle and Dante haven't played since week two of yeah, uh, and of, of the season. Zarzuela is out for the season and only played five games. Exactly. So, so. they only really have two uh, double digit scores. Whereas, as you said, I mean, Pell Larson is averaging twelve point nine with how many assists? But he shoots from fifty five percent from the field, which he doesn't is like, take a lot of shots. He doesn't, but he take he takes good shots and he makes them, and that's like scarier than having someone who you know, has, averages more points, but, you know, has a low shooting percentage. And I think the scariest guy on the team is Umar Balo. Just, Easily. He's so big. He's so dominant down low, and I'm kind of scared for Dante still recovering from the injury, how he'll match up against uh, Balo. And then Kylan Boswell, yeah, ridiculous freshman. Yeah. He's making plays that, like, you shouldn't be able to make. Yeah. So he's a spark that I think this – Arizona team really enjoys having as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, it's, like you said, the the key will be Balo because, you know, Dante and Biddle are not 100%. And maybe that's what Dana Allman's plan is, is that he's going to pretty much rotate them out and hopefully that, you know, Biddle's 50%, 
uh, Dante's 50%, make 100%, and they'll be able to shut down Ballo. Also, Diawara, too. I mean, he has played some really good defense this season, so I don't see why he can't get some good minutes against Ballo. Uh, but between those three guys, between Dante, Biddle, and Diawara, I don't see why they can't stop him. Now, obviously, you also got to keep an eye on Caleb Love because any night he could just light up the court. He's averaging 18 points right now, leads the team in that category. So there's just so many parts that you have to worry about when you play Arizona. But for the Ducks, the way, the way they've been playing, the way Dana Allman has really managed the roster and all this uncertainty, I realistically think that this is a game that they can win. And, you know, I think it could really set the tone for the rest of the season. Uh, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Thursday night against Arizona State and then Saturday afternoon against Arizona. We're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Oregon women's basketball, and then later on we're going to talk some NFL playoff action. Stay tuned here on 88.1 FM. KWVA. KWVA. You're listening to live Oregon student radio coverage of high school sports. Here on KWVA 88.1 FM, the voices of tomorrow broadcast the stars of the future. Keep an eye on the schedule and tune in here or online at kwva.uoregon.edu slash listen-live for coverage of high school sports in the Eugene-Springfield area. The Skate Park Project, formerly the Tony Hawk Foundation, is a skateboarding organization that helps communities build public skate parks for youth in underserved communities. To date, nearly 600 recipients of the Skate Park Project grants have opened their skate parks. These parks receive more than 6 million annual visits by youth who benefit from the active lifestyle and camaraderie the facilities promote. Learn more about the Skate Park Project by visiting www.skatepark.org. Students, when I call the reason for your absences throughout the years, please exit the auditorium without your high school diploma. <clears throat> Too tired? Family trip? Sick day? Starting the holidays early. Starting in the sixth grade, students who miss 18 days or more of school in a year for any reason will fall behind and risk not graduating high school. How many days of school has your child missed this year? Absences add up. Keep track at boostattendance.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ed Council. Hi, this is Jerry Allen, and you're listening to the Oregon Ducks on KWVA 88.1. Welcome back into the KWVA studio here on 88.1 for today's edition of Quack Smack. So we'll go on alongside Ty Gross and Ben Schoenfield. We just talked about Oregon men's basketball, and they're a big weekend that they have coming up here in Eugene. But, hey, Oregon women's basketball, they also return home and have a big weekend coming up as well. And another tough weekend schedule with two ranked opponents are going to have number 16 ranked Utah on Friday, number three ranked Colorado on Sunday Gents, just a, a, a tough, tough schedule for the Ducks so far. But, hey, they've hung in there. We know it's a process. And the cards that this team has been dealt, they have not been ideal. No Peyton Scott, young team with not a lot of experience. Best, and, and also they've been in the best and deepest conference in the nation. Uh, you know, just your guys' overall thoughts on this weekend. Um, It's looking like it's going to be a rough one. I don't want to rule out any signs of optimism, but – coming off of a game or coming off a weekend where 
really big loss to Stanford and then a game that I thought Oregon could have won against California. They ultimately lose. Utah's a great team. Um, Alyssa Peely is going to be a top 10, in my opinion, top five pick. She, she's incredible. Um, and then playing Buffalo, which is a top three team right now, it, it, it looks challenging. But I do think there are avenues of success. I think mm-hmm. that primarily it's going to come down to just finding consistency, which is what like I talked about last Friday Night Spotlight. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's going to be a very tough weekend. Uh, it's, yeah, two straight ranked opponents. This team is coming off back-to-back losses, one blowout, one they were leading in the fourth quarter and still lost. Uh, it's we're, Oregon's going to definitely have to rely on Chance Gray, Filipina Che, and Grace Van Sluten as they have been the entire season. Uh, and they need to get better on the defensive end in all honesty like they should be rebounding better based on the height that they have and they just haven't been uh they're out rebounding teams by only three rebounds a game when having the two tallest players on the court most of the time and that's just not how it's supposed to be done so i'd like to see a little bit more effort i know that it's gonna be tough opponents but this team just needs to show up and show out yeah it's it's really unfortunate the the schedule that this team got dealt and that's that's you know one of the the hard things about being in the pac-12 you know a lot of people say that the pac-12 is just an irrelevant conference it's not like you look at this conference right now they have five teams currently in the top 25 uh and two of them are gonna go are gonna go against this weekend they went against one last weekend in stanford and you know it's unfortunate because the duo of Grace Van Sluten and Chance Gray, they've both been playing pretty well, but it's just not enough in this conference. And it's, you know, you put them in any other conference, you know, maybe not SEC, but if you were to put this team in the Big Ten, ACC, like if you were to put them in a conference where they can be contenders, they are most likely going to be top of the conference and playing really well. But that's just how difficult the Pac-12 conference is. It's really a shame that it's going to dissipate after this year. Uh, because especially for women's basketball, there has been a lot of history, and there are a lot of good teams that are a part of this conference. What can the you know what can this team do to become more competitive in the second half of conference play? Because after this weekend, the Ducks are going to cross the halfway point of the conference season. They're going to start seeing some of their old opponents. Um, but despite the tough schedule ahead, what do you guys think that Kelly Graves' squad can do during the second portion of the conference to keep themselves competitive and try to get themselves ready for Vegas? Uh- I think the big thing is just finding consistency and honestly, more importantly, balance. Because I feel like just just watching them this year, I feel like every time you have one player who does great, another one just falls short. Like we have Van Sluten who will put up, you know, 15 plus points a game and Chance Gray will go two for 11 from the three point line. And then you'll have the opposite. You'll have games where Chance Gray will have 11 turnovers. Van Sluten won't hit her shots. I think that this team can become a lot better. They just need to find the consistency to where they can come out and everyone can just have one solid night together because so far that's not happening. I will say the exception to that is Filipina Che, who lately has been on an absolutely ridiculous tear. And I think that just supporting her by getting some like perimeter shooting, that would go miles in just improving this team's ability to win games. 
it's definitely going to be a difficult stretch. I don't know how much they can do to improve based on the fact that they have seven straight ranked games coming up. Yeah. Oregon like, has, or the Pac-12 has six ranked teams, including, it's surprising there is a team in Oregon that's ranked, and it's not Oregon. Is it six at this point? Yeah, because uh, uh, Oregon State yeah, Oregon jumped State in the top ju- 25. That's actually true. Oregon State jumped in. I completely forgot about yeah, that. So, yeah, they're at 25. Six now. Yeah. And, yeah, you, but you talk about it. But seven straight because it's Utah, Colorado, Oregon State, State, Colorado, Utah, USC, UCLA. And then Washington was ranked early in the season. Washington State's receiving votes. And then they finish with Cal and Stanford. Like, I unfortunately <laughs> don't know what else they can do yeah. when nine of their last ten games of this season are going to be against – even more than that, sorry. That's seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven – 10 of their 11 games are going to be against teams that either have received top 25 votes or have been in the top 25. Yeah, and it's... This team just, I don't think, is built for this season. Yeah, it's... And and you know what? I think the Duck fans are understanding that. You know, there hasn't been call-out for Kelly Graves' job. There hasn't been any news in the media as to, oh, where is Oregon women's basketball going, especially after the the success they had when Sabria Ionescu was here. There's not really any questions at that point because they know how deep this conference is. Kelly Graves said in his press, uh, his uh, post-practice uh, media t- availability today, he said the team, you know, they're improving. They said that they're capable of beating these teams. Cal was definitely a setback, a game that they should have won, but they've been improving. And, you know, knowing that Kelly Graves is still on this team's side, that he has a lot of confidence in them, I really just think that these next couple weeks they just need to execute. Other than Stanford and UCLA, the Ducks haven't had a game where they allowed more than 70 points. And they won, and the games that they won in conference, they scored the most points. So, this is a team that definitely can be competitive, even though these are top ranked teams. You know, I, I think it's, you know, we're not talking about a, a, a March Madness placement, really, unless something happens in the Pac 12 tournament. But, you know, with this second half of conference play season, if they can execute and they can play, you know, better or kind of a little bit better than they're playing right now, I don't see why they can't win a few of these games. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, the rest of the season can just really be used as a chance to build. Because if you look at this team, uh, Philip Pinochet, junior, Chance Gray, sophomore, Grayson Swoon, sophomore, it's a relatively younger team, and I think that using the rest of the season to go up against those really, really talented <laughs> Pac-12 women's basketball teams and just getting the chance to play against teams that, quite frankly, you're probably not going to play against next year, it's going to be really beneficial to Oregon in the long run. And I think that once they find the consistency, once you have a night where Van Sluten goes for 15 points and, you know, seven rebounds and Chance Gray shoots 35% from, you know, deep, that's a team that can win a lot of games. It hasn't happened yet, but I don't see a reason why it couldn't eventually click because the potential's there. The potential's obvious, I feel like, but it just hasn't happened yet. We've talked about it all season, but the fact that they lost their fifth-year point guard, Peyton Scott, Peyton Scott the Huge first game of the season, yeah, I think that set them up for failure. It really did. They needed experience. Mm-hmm. As uh, Ty said, the only person that plays a lot of minutes, the oldest player is Filipina Che. She's the only player on this team that was here my freshman year. <laughs> Out of all like 13 or 14 players on this team, She's the only one that this is her third season here. Yeah. That can't last long. Yeah. That can't sustain a season, as we've said, that they play so many good teams. 
I mean, they played Baylor before. Then they there's six ranked teams in the tournament or in their conference without the experience of playing together for more than a season mainly you can't do this for that long no you can't and like, like we said i mean obviously things could change next year uh you know obviously it's a young roster that's a lot of improvement but now that the ducks are are moving out of uh of the pac-12 and now they're they're going to the big 10 uh you never know maybe this this squad can put something together and kelly graves can find a way to start winning again um but, I mean, we talk about it for other sports, how we really want Oregon to stay in the Pac-12. I think for women's basketball, it's the complete opposite, where maybe they weren't too upset because they know how good this conference is, even though that there are a lot of stars like Kim and Brink. She's probably going to go to the draft or she's going to leave Stanford soon. Uh, but the programs that they've been successful. And, you know, really it's – there's just no answer right now for Oregon. At this point, the most they can do is go out there, they play with a lot of heart if they can, and just try to be competitive with these games. I mean, even though they're not going to play, they're most likely not going to play for a March Madness um, spot, they definitely could be a team that could shuffle up the comp, uh, Pac-12 standings towards the end of the season. And, I mean, if you could do that, I, I would take that as a victory, you know, for the season. As, as we know, Eugene is a hard place to play for – anybody like Oregon will get a bunch of games at home including these next two against Utah and Colorado but then they get uh, USC and UCLA in a couple weeks they get Oregon State next week I mean and then they close out the season with Cal and Stanford at home Mm -hmm. there's always a chance that Oregon will win at home yeah like no matter how good their season or bad their season is going they always have a chance and as you're talking about next year, they're moved to the Big Ten. There's only three teams ranked from the Big Ten uh, in Iowa, Ohio State, and Indiana. And I haven't seen Indiana being a basketball school for a long time. Yeah. I mean, they were a men's basketball school back in the day, but I haven't seen women's basketball be that big in a long time. I, Caitlin, Caitlin Clark's not going to be there next year. That's huge. <laughs> so <laughs> For Oregon's sake, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because so, Caitlin K- Clark is absolutely just lighting up uh, Iowa right now. They they lost some tough games. They obviously had that that game against Ohio State where uh, Clark got uh, knocked over by that fan, which yeah. is which is very unfortunate. By the way, we, we're glad she's okay. Um, but yeah, it's. But I think you know, there's a lot more parity in the Big Ten than there is. Like I think in the Pac-12, there's such a split. Yeah. Like it's the top half and then the bottom half, whereas there's like a top three or four in the Big Ten, and then everybody else has a fair chance yeah and you talk about you know where a couple years ago Oregon was in that top half and not just top half they were at top of the conference they were the team to beat in uh, in conference play and then pretty much these past five years these other programs who Oregon beat have been building up their programs and now Oregon is in the bottom half and now these teams that were kind of in the bottom half are now in the top half like they're obviously you can look at the Pac-12 standings and see you know who is the best team technically but it's so hard to pick who's the best team in this conference. I mean, you know, you can make a case for Stanford. You can make a case for UCLA. You can make a case for Utah, for Colorado. Like, it doesn't matter the rankings. All these teams are so good, and they're more than capable of beating each other. Uh, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, these teams only play each other twice a year because we can really see the, the record split a little bit more if they were to play each other a little more. But that's, you know, how the schedule works out. Uh, before we, you know, uh, 
take another break. I just want to ask you guys really quickly, how far can this team go in the Pac-12 tournament? Because the Ducks, they're going to play in the Pac-12 tournament. It'll be the last one. And, you know, wild things have happened. If they can somehow win the Pac-12 tournament, they punch a ticket in the NCAA uh, tournament in March. And we look at years past, especially last year, too. Where, you know, last year we saw Washington State, the seventh seed in the tournament, won the whole thing, which was crazy because nobody thought Washington State – you know, they beat um, they beat UCLA in the championship, which, I mean, UCLA is was so good that last year. And somehow Washington State came up with a win. So crazier things have happened uh, in the Pac-12 tournament, and all you have to do is just win, uh, win in and survive. So for you guys, how far can this team go in the Pac-12 tournament if they're able to improve – the rest of the season uh i think if they improve i i think we could see a win in the first round potentially a win in the second round anything more than that would be incredibly impressive and in my opinion unlikely just because like you guys are saying this is such a stacked conference um the chances that you're going to be playing you know a top 10 team as you progress further into that tournament very high if you're going to win the pac-12 tournament it means you're probably taking down three top 10 teams in a row which i mean that's a challenge of titanic proportions i think that oregon has the potential to steal a game or two but right now i i don't i just don't think it's realistic that they're going to win it i will say I think it's a good building moment because, like what you were saying, college basketball is cyclical. And right now, Oregon is in a hole. And I think next year is the year that they dig right out of that hole. Ben? Yeah, I think maximum third round. Maximum semifinals. Because obviously they're not going to get a bye. They're going to be in a play-in game. There's four play-in games. Yeah. Maybe get to the semifinals at best – I mean, the the thing will be is that they are going to have to go against one of the top four teams. Like if, yeah. If they, because obviously they won't be a top four seed, so they're going to have to play in the first round. Uh, they won't get a buy, like you said. The thing is, they could play Utah yeah. in the first round. Mm-hmm. Utah's the fifth best team in the pack, mm-hmm. and Oregon is worst or second worst. Yeah. Like ranking wise, mm-hmm. that means they're playing a top sixteen team in the country in the first round. And then they'll play, if they win that, they'll play UCLA or Colorado or Stanford or, Stanford or USC. Or one of those teams. And then if, if they win that one. They'll play another one of those so four teams. So, I mean, it could like, just be the whole, like, the it, that path seems more intimidating than their schedule, honestly. Yeah, playing Utah and then UCLA and then Colorado. Yeah. And then whoever else, like, that's just not happening. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. We're definitely going to have to see how this team improves over the next couple of weeks. Um, And, you know, Vegas, not too far away. And, hey, we've seen crazier things happen. We're going to see how they do, though. We're going to step aside for another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some NFL playoffs. Conference championship weekend. So excited. Not that football is almost over, but that we're three weeks away from the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about on the other side of this break here on 88.1 FM. Come to decide that the things that I tried were in my life just to get high on. When I sit alone, come get a little known, but I need more than myself this time. Step KWVA. KWVA. KWVA.
Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. United Help Ukraine is a Maryland-based nonprofit that offers humanitarian aid and medical support to Ukrainian soldiers and their families. United Help Ukraine organizes demonstrations in Washington, D.C., advocating for Ukrainian independence and protesting unlawful action taken by Russia. More information about their work can be found at unitedhelpukraine.org. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live united. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Spliggity, spliggity, splash, y'all. What up, son? This is Colin Deaver, former sports director at KWVA 88.1 Eugene. <laughs> and you're listening to Quack Smack. Welcome back to Quack Smack here on 88.1. Saul Galvong, Ty Goss, and Ben Schofield. Is that Goss? Yeah, it's Ty Goss. Goss? Okay, I... I, I know I've said that correctly. I just was, like, questioning myself for a second. I always do that with with names, but, uh, hey, I got it right, so that's good. Um, talked about some Oregon men's basketball, Oregon women's basketball, and now we're going to talk about some NFL playoffs. Uh, there's some good conference championships coming up this weekend. It was a good weekend last weekend, too. Um, definitely a lot of teams that kind of expected, not expected. I mean, I, I thought that all the teams that won, I kind of thought I knew we were going to win. Not really any upsets, but uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we got Lions against 49ers for the NFC Championship. Ravens against Chiefs for AFC. Uh, I mean, who are you guys' favorites right now? Let's just start Let's just start uh, throwing them out. All right. So, I got to say, for Niners-Lions, as much as it pains me to say, I think Niners are going to take this one. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a pretty easy win for them. It, it's just such a talented team. There, there's hardly any weaknesses on that roster i think that the lions can make it close um but i i would be thoroughly shocked if the lions managed to make a super bowl appearance now as for the ravens chiefs game i i will make my official prediction i think 23 20 ravens with a game-winning field goal by justin tucker as time expires how long of a field goal Ooh, you know what let's go Whatever Tyler Bass's uh, field goal that he missed, the distance was. 47 yards. I think it was a 50-yarder that he missed. See, that's the other thing, too. I know people were like, like he missed the field goal, but that wasn't a chip shot. Like, it was legit a hard field goal. They were playing, uh, what were they playing, in Buffalo? Yeah, they're they're with wind Yeah, with wind in Buffalo. Like, that's not an easy field goal to make, and I think a lot of Bills fans realize that, even though that was the reason that they lost the game. But uh, it's a tough one. Ben, your predictions for a conference championship weekend. 
I definitely think it's going to be the 49ers. I just don't think there's a chance that the Lions I, – I love their story. It's awesome that they've gotten there, but it's. I think this is where it ends. They're not at home anymore. They don't really have the crowd behind them. Uh, and then I do think it's going to be the Ravens. They've just been on a streak and just – they've played tough opponents. It's not like they've had a super easy schedule. Yeah. It's the first conference – since 1933 that has had all four teams be above 500. Yeah. yeah. So it's not an easy conference and they won it outright. Right. Number one seed. They beat the 49ers like 33-19 or whatever the final score was, mm-hmm. but it wasn't even that close. But uh, so I think it's going to be 49ers-Ravens. Yeah, I mean... I'll start with AFC because I'm I'm gonna uh, sit with the uh, the NFC a little more. Um, you know, as as much as the Ravens have been playing good this year, let's not forget about the Chiefs team in the playoffs. Like it, this Chiefs team in the playoffs, they what were you saying before? This is their sixth conference championship in the past uh, six years. In six years, like Mahomes and, hasn't missed a conference championship as a starter, and especially it's even more crazy this year thinking that. You know, obviously no Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey wasn't healthy for majority of the year. He had a lot of receiver of receiver struggles, especially with Rasheed Rice. Um, and there just was never a solid group with this team. And somehow, some like some way, they're still playing for a conference championship. And I think that's going to kind of be the reason that the Chiefs pull out. I think that, you know, obviously Lamar, he's a really good quarterback, and I think he could play a great game. But in the playoffs, experience matters, and Mahomes clearly has the most experience of any team in uh, in both games so far. So, you know, I and you know, like I said, the experience with Andy Reid, I just think that this team is too good and too experienced to not be in the conference championship. For the AFC, I am going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. For the NFC, though, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I'm picking the Detroit Lions to win the NFC Conference Championship. And, you know, I I sat with it for a long time. I know the 49ers are a really good team. Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. Debo Samuel, we'll see if he's healthy or not. He said he's supposed to play. Christian McCaffrey just lights up every team. But the way this Lions team has been playing, we saw how they played against the Rams, how they played against the Buccaneers, who were not an easy opponent. We know Baker Mayfield has been on a comeback this year. They ended that comeback. I just feel that the Lions have so much fire with them right now and not only the fire jared goff has been playing really well this year like he is no without a doubt a playoff caliber quarterback that can handle the pressure not saying brock purdy can't because he's been successful in the playoffs up to this point but i think that the defense of the lions mixed with Goff's experience outweighs san francisco's talented roster because they have talent they don't have exactly the experience that Goff's had. Because let's not forget that Goff led the Rams when he was on the Rams to the Super Bowl. Obviously, you know, we remember that game. It was a 10-3, to really bad Super Bowl. Possibly the worst Super Bowl I've ever witnessed. Definitely. Yeah, Super worst Super Bowl I've ever witnessed. Uh, but they still made it to the Super Bowl. The Rams were a top team that year, and it was, they were all led by Goff. So uh, that's my pick. I'm, you know, I don't know if you guys have anything against that or want to change your picks because I'm all for changing picks here. Uh on my show, but you know, I'm taking the Detroit Lions, Detroit Lions against Kansas City Chiefs. 
But I will say though, if that happens, it Kansas City is going to win the with the Super Bowl. Like it's, I don't think anyone besides San Francisco can match up with Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So you know, if that were to happen, I would say Chiefs win it all. But if the 49ers were to make it on, um, which they are the favorites right now, I think that the 49ers could realistically beat the Chiefs or the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um. Here's my question for you guys, actually. Taking your hypothetical matchups, who do you guys have winning it all? Because I'll say, for me, I just have four words written down on my laptop right now, and it is, quote, the Raven Super Bowl. I think this is the year. I think this is the year that Lamar finally and truly just takes all of the critiques and the haters and just throws them in the garbage. Because I think that this Ravens team has every single thing that it takes. Because I think they're experienced enough. And that defense is just it, – it's just – it's lights out. You can't score against it. It's incredible. So, I don't know. What are you guys' – Ben, opinion? what are we thinking? I have Ravens winning it all. I just – Wow. Well, also, you two are both from Washington, so that makes sense. I mean, yeah. We couldn't root for the Commanders based on just everything that happened with that team for 20-plus years. <laughs> but I just – they're beating the 49ers. They already did. Or the Lions. It's just, I don't think anybody's going to beat the Ravens. See, before I was not realistic when I picked the Lions to make the Super Bowl, I was just talking, well, I do want them to win, but it was a little unrealistic. But now I'm being more realistic and saying that if the 49ers, who are favorites right now, they do win the conference championship, then they will win the Super Bowl. I think that the 49ers. They have just dealt with so much this season, and I think that they have too good of a roster. I know that, you know, a lot of people are going to take the Kansas City Chiefs, regardless of who the NFC opponent is, whether it's the Lions or the, the 49ers. We saw it a few years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo, and we all know how that worked out, but it's been this roster's changed. This roster is, is a lot different. They're a lot more scarier. And I think that, you know, if Brock Purdy can play well, if he can prove that he is not a Mr. Irrelevant quarterback, like he it could be the, the future of this franchise, I don't see why the 49ers can't win. I feel that. I think I actually differ. I think that whoever wins this AFC championship is going to win the Super Bowl because right now in terms of just like playoff power rankings, because you got Ravens, Chiefs. Niners Lions because I think that it comes down to defense because I don't trust Brock Purdy against a truly elite defense and that's what both the Ravens and the Chiefs have. So but I let's not forget though that 49ers have a pretty good defense. Like they they have a they have a they got a little banged up in the early in earlier the season, but they have a pretty good defense. I think possibly the best defense of of, of any of these four uh, teams that are left over. Um, that's the Ravens though. The Ravens are like. Number one in points allowed, turnovers, and sacks. Yeah, Ravens aren't they? And I'll say this: even if the 49ers do have slightly better defenses, because these are all three of these defenses are top five defenses. Uh, only one of them has Brock Purdy, and the other quarterbacks in play are Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And as good as Brock Purdy has been this year, I will every single day of the week trust Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson on a game-winning drive more than I will trust Brock Purdy. Oh, 100%. I mean, without a doubt, I think, like, yeah, I totally agree that Mahomes or uh, Jackson are, like, they're the two elite quarterbacks of these four teams right now. Like, that's the other thing, too. I think what's what's so perfect about these two matchups is that they match up perfectly. AFC, you have two teams that have really good offenses, 
and pretty solid defenses overall, and also two quarterbacks that have a lot of experience that are mobile, that can throw on the run. But then on the other side, you have two teams that are, you know, pretty 50-50 with defense and offense. They have two quarterbacks with good experience. They're not elite quarterbacks, especially not at this point. Jared Goff's still good, but he's not the elite quarterback they used to be. Brock Purdy, as we know, you know, he has a, a good team around him that contributes to his success. Um, but, you know, I think at this point, I think that, like, these teams match up really well. Like, th this is probably, if you were to look at this playoff bracket in the beginning, I think most people had these four teams competing for the conference championship. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be fun. I'll say that. Uh, so let's switch ahead or look ahead at least after the Super Bowl with the NFL draft. Woo! Sorry. Coming up soon. I love the draft. Ty's favorite, hot. Favorite time of the year. Listen, if every draft was like this, the draft that was going to be coming up, I'd be so hyped. But it only didn't take so long. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wish they had the draft right after the Super Bowl, like probably mid-March, but we have to Or not have one round, like, in the first day. Well, now, hold on. I'll say I have watched every single pick for, like, four straight years. Really? That's yes, crazy. It is my— Even the third rounders? Even or? the seventh rounders. It is my Christmas, New Year's, birthday. Just all See, that like, I can watch maybe the first round. I, I, I will watch all the first round, obviously, some of the second round, and then I will watch, like, the fourth and fifth round because, like, it's during the day. It's on Saturday, and I just throw it on in the background. I don't know who any of these guys are, really. Like, it's just—I don't know who they are. But, hey, they're going to—you know, some of them end up being top star players. We saw with Rock Purdy. Uh we look at the draft order right now. My Chicago Bears are picking first overall, thanks to Carolina, and then you got Washington. You got well, you guys are Washington Commanders fans, right? Since you're from so and so again, more Baltimore or? Well, I'm a Seahawks fan. But aren't you from Washington? Yes, it's a long story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Ben, what about you? I I never grew up a Commanders fan. My dad was a Jets fan, so I couldn't choose them, and my mom was a. Uh, Bears fan, and they weren't good back in the day. I love so I was just a, I was just a fan of football. I that can be respectful. I mean, it's it's hard picking a team in a family that has two different teams. Um, especially those two teams. Yeah, specifically. But, but we got about three minutes right now, and I just want to get you guys' opinions on like, what could this draft order, you know, what could the top ten look like? What, who do you see going off the board first? What you know, what are some guys that could be sleeper picks that might end up going in the top ten? Like, what, what do you guys think of the of this draft so far? Uh, I think the top three, just in my opinion, is pretty set right now. I think it's going to be Williams, May, Daniels. You okay. Maybe there's an outside shot that the Bears trade down, but they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. Um, things just haven't been working out for the Bears, and I think that when you have Fields, who's coming in in his fourth year, just purely looking at this from an economic standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to take Caleb Williams, reset that rookie contract for a quarterback, and arguably have a much better prospect to begin with. Yeah. I think that you're going to see Williams. I really like May. I think that May is very Stafford-esque. I think that's who he'll probably end up playing like, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. Prime Stafford was incredible. And then I think Daniels is going to go to the Patriots because I don't think that they can live another year with Mac Jones as their quarterback. Oh, no They doubt. deserve it, though. <laughs> ben, what about you? I definitely think that the Bears will trade down. I just think that they're – okay seeing one last year of potentially all right offensive line and get them more weapons uh maybe pick an offensive lineman with their other top 10 pick and pick a wide receiver with their top five pick mm -hmm. uh but then otherwise i don't see any many other trades in the top 10 
maybe the Patriots move up because they have a new head coach and probably don't want to stick with the same system. Yeah. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe one other trade in the top ten. Maybe Titans try and move up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we know about the L.A. Chargers, and they just signed Jim Harbaugh today as, as their head coach, and you wonder if that's going to change things really because they have a really good quarterback in Justin Herbert. I'm sure they're not going to like even think about drafting another quarterback, but maybe try to give him some weapons. I mean, they have Keenan Allen. They drafted him Quentin Johnson from TCU last year who didn't really see the ball much this year. Obviously, you know, the, the offense wasn't planned right around Herbert, uh, but Chargers could try it up. You know, maybe I, trade with New England or Arizona, try to get Marvin Harrison. I think really they're happy weapon. with getting a tight end, though, because they have. I mean, Brock Bowers, no doubt, without would, yes. would be a, a monster on, this because char- on the Chargers. They have uh, Mike Williams, offense. too, who's just an injury, like, waiting to happen. But yeah. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and if Quentin Johnston can do better, that's a good top three wide receivers. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting. I'm actually, like, I, I think. At least for the the rest of my shows until the draft, uh, we're definitely gonna have to talk a little more. But unfortunately, we're out of time. So sad. But hey, it was a good show, boys. I always love being with you guys. Uh, so I will go on alongside Ty Goss and Ben Schoenfield. Uh, tune in tomorrow for the director show. Austin Oda and myself will be on. Uh, not sure who's gonna be the third person, but we'll see you tomorrow uh, right here on 88.1. Good night. KWVA. KWVA. KWVA.